If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Did you know a recent law can leave your personal data exposed online for anybody to find? If you've turned on the news lately, you know the Internet has created a dangerous new world. It's time you take back the power by using a new website called Truthfinder. Have you been issued a speeding ticket? Received a lien from the IRS? Did you forget about an embarrassing social media profile? That info may already be online. Truthfinder can help you find it. Truthfinder searches millions of public records, assembling the data together in one report. Members get unlimited searches, so you can also look up those close to you and make sure they're not hiding something. Visit truthfinder.com nancy. Enter your own name. Get started. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on Sirius XM Triumph. Right now, police on a manhunt for a suspect who fatally stabs a loving mom dead in the neck. We want justice. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. I'm talking about a lovely mom, her family pleading pleading with the public to help catch the killer. And this is amazing to me because we've actually got who I believe to be the killer on videotape. Now, you'd think, well, there you go. Go ahead and book him. Uh Uh-uh, it ain't that easy. The videotape, and this happened to me once in a bank robbery case, which I may tell later. I will say the bank robber was dyslexic. His bank note said, don't touch the Alram. This is a Roby. Once I got the jury past that, I started making a little headway. But I know what it feels like, as do many people joining me this morning, to have videotape or photographs and they're blurry. You can't make it out. It is the devil is in the details. We've got this guy seemingly coming out of nowhere from a hedge or some bushes at a very unusual hour, 
going toward her home, but I can't make him out that well. You know what? Let's go to John Lindley, crime stories investigative reporter. John, take it from the top. Kay Thomason, alone in her upscale Sandy Springs home, according to police, she, we know, had a blunt force trauma and stabbed in the neck. But let's start at the get-go. Tell me what happened that night. From all accounts, Nancy, Kay Thomason was the perfect mother, grandmother, even neighbors say that she was one of those people that you could always count on. Now, she wasn't what you'd call a social butterfly. She kept to herself. But if someone needed something, there was no one more dependable than Kay Thomason. Now, hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute, John Lindley. I don't know what you mean by social butterfly. You know, uh, you know what? Let's go to the other ladies joining me this morning. Francie Hakes, former federal prosecutor. And Francie, you have got such a mouthful of a title. No offense, but let me think how it went. You were the first federal. Okay, you know what you tell me. In charge of child abductions and extradition, this position was actually formed for her by the federal government. What's the, what? Give me your whole title, Francie. <laughs> well, Nancy, don't blame me for it. It's Congress. They invented it. It was called the National Coordinator for Child Exploitation Prevention and Interdiction. You said that, not me. Okay, I did not say that. <laughs> also with me, in addition to Francie Hakes, is Dr. Daniel Bober, forensic psychiatrist. Dr. Bober, I don't know how you managed to work us in amidst all the uh, insane criminal lunatics you're dealing with every day, but thank you. My okay, I don't know, Alan, if you and Jackie and I fit into that category. Kenya Jackson with me, veteran Atlanta prosecutor and, of course, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter John Limley. You know, John, I take, um, I take issue with what you just said. Oh, goodness. She's not a... Is she not a social butterfly? You know what? Let me just go out to Francie and Kenya. By the time I get up at 4.30 to 5 o'clock every morning and I uh, make the children's breakfast and I make dinner and set the table and work on serious and work on crime stories and work on a book and work on Hallmark, then wake up the children and get them to school, and then come back home and this and that and that and this and this and that. And suddenly it's time to get them. And I have a whole night of work. You know what? Uh, I don't know what you mean by social butterfly. You know, I don't know if you know this, John Limley or not. But most women are expected to fully take care of the home. I guess that includes the yard. The children, that includes dressing them, feeding them, keeping them clean in all their crevices. <laughs> <laughs> keeping them healthy, feeding them, getting them to school, making sure they have everything that they're supposed to have, um, making money and bringing it home and supporting the family. Okay, so Francie Hakes, I don't know what he means by she's not a social butterfly. The woman has uh works rental properties she has children three children she takes care of this home in addition to working rental properties i mean what does john lindley want her to do <laughs> that's a great point nancy it brings a me to mind of the old commercial remember she can bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan this one was obviously doing all that yeah i mean yeah I, I don't even know what you're saying, John Lindley. You just better back off on this one, okay, and quit the giggling. It's not attractive. Mm -hmm. Now, John Lindley, now that we have appropriately, you know, flogged you, now can we get back to what happened to this lady? Certainly. Now, we were talking about how— I noticed Alan Duke got really, really quiet. Yeah, okay. he tiptoed away. <laughs> He knows better. <laughs> That's because his wife is nearby, and he, she is not putting up with any of this. Okay, back to this lady, because, I mean, this, it, it's killing me about this woman. And how can they not have any clues when they've got the guy on videotape? Okay, again, start at the beginning. Certainly. Now, as we were talking about, this woman was, if anything, dependable. And that dependability was something that actually carried over to her schedule as well. If there was something on her calendar on a set day, a given day, you better believe she was going to keep that appointment. 
And that is what first raised an alarm to family members when they found out that she was a no-show, that she had not made an appointment earlier that day. Different family members then tried calling Kay. There was no answer. Uh, this went on for uh, a couple of hours. So around seven o'clock that night, Kay's granddaughter grabbed a couple of friends and went over to the woman's house there in Sandy Springs, just north of Atlanta, to find out what was going on. Oh, my stars. Oh, my stars. I'm just thinking Dr. Daniel Bober, psychiatrist, joining us. I've been ribbing John Lindley the last couple of minutes, but just imagine what this does. I'm thinking of John, David, and Lucy, my children. If they were to find their grandparent dead, that's the kind of thing you never get over, Dr. Daniel Bober. Oh, it's beyond horrific, Nancy. Uh, I thought I was going to be your latest victim, but I'm glad you just asked me a question. So I, I feel I, I feel better and I'm not shaking anymore. But uh, yes, for sure, that, that would be a horribly traumatic event. And it's something that uh, stays in a child's mind uh, probably for the rest of their life and keeps you know, rearing its ugly head. You know, you think in your own home that you're safe but not true. With me, Francie Hakes, Dr. Daniel Bober, Kenya Johnson, and John Lindley. Let's take a listen, Alan, to the 911 call and see what we can learn. Check on 911, we're for your emergency. Hi, yes, um, I'm not kind of and we just came home and my friend's house and her mother is dead. Okay, all right, repeat your, repeat your address for me. Yeah, um, Okay, and what's the telephone number you're calling from? My, my number is... Okay. What? What? Okay. And how long ago did you find her? Oh, she's... She's dead. Oh, we, we, we just found her. We just came. We, we just... We just... Um, we just got in the door. I don't know how, how long she's been uh, dead. Okay, are you with the patient now? Yes. Okay. Oh, I'm on the stair. I'm on the stairway. My my friend, her her daughter, helps her. How old is the patient? How how old is she, Katie? Katie, how old is she? Seventy two. Okay. We have them started. Is she awake? No, she's not awake. She's dead. She's very dead. Okay. Do you believe she's beyond help? I, I don't know. I, but her, is, she, is she behind that? Is she beyond? Is she more than? Yes, yeah, she's very dead. She thinks someone murdered her. You know, to Kenya Johnson, uh, veteran felony prosecutor, I always love playing a 911 call in front of a jury because it takes you back to that particular moment. There's no interpretation. You're hearing it raw as it happens, and you can learn a lot. There you hear the 911 call. But aside from learning about who found Kay Thompson dead and their reaction, I didn't learn a lot about what happened to her but it's still a value kenya absolutely if that is a devastating 911 call you can feel the pain and the panic in the caller's voice and what uh, i wanted to make a point about how reliable and how consistent uh, the victim was in her life that helps investigators be able to track back the events that occurred because they know where she should have been or where she was planning to go. And so that really assists with the timeline when you have a victim that is uh, so reliable and consistent 
and so uh, scheduled, uh, it helps the investigation. And Nancy, I also want to mention your arm robbery case. This is an album that is fodder for legend, and it's actually a big poster on the wall in the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. So that's uh, just one of your claims to fame. Whoa, whoa. Are you serious? Yes, it sure is. Are you serious? That's still up at the DA's office. It sure is. (laughs) You know, I, I have it framed. Uh, in my office at Crime Online, uh, that that that's hilarious. That and there's so much more to the story. Which you know, when you have an hour and a cup of tea, Kenya, I'll be happy to tell you. You know, I mean, I just anyway off Al Ram and Roby and back to this one, Kenya. You're right, and I want to talk about. You know, I'm back to you, Lindley. Mm-hmm. You know, social butterfly. You would never have said that about a man. Oh, he's not much of a social butterfly. You know, I'm just sitting here stewing oh, as I'm have. listening to that nine one. No, you would not. I've never heard you say it before. And not only that, let me correct you. She worked charity at St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, the Ronald McDonald House charity, and many other charities. So I don't know what you want her to do, what gallivant around at night to hot spots and discos and bars. and I don't even want to talk about it. I want to talk about what happened to this woman. What do we know about the injuries, and what, if anything, does that tell us? First part, what are her injuries, John Limley? Her granddaughter and her two friends find Kay with a stab wound to the back of the neck. A stab wound to the back of the neck, and not only that, she had blunt force trauma to the head. Francie Hakes, what does that tell you? Well, Nancy, what it tells me is that it's almost a personal crime. It's certainly a very violent crime. It's also kind of unusual. I'm not sure I've ever seen a case where the cause of death is a stab wound to the back of the neck. It doesn't seem to me that she would have been all that hard to subdue. So I find it very violent sound. You know, another thing, it makes me wonder, Francie, about where she was and what we know about the attack. For instance, was she in bed? If she was in bed, we don't have any evidence of a sex attack, no evidence that anything stolen from the home, such as credit cards or ATMs, were ever used. So what's the point? Do we know, John Limley, whether there was damage in the home? Was it ransacked? What do we know? What we do know is that when Kay's granddaughter and her friends arrived at the home there on Woodbine Road, the first thing they noticed was that Kay's car, a black Kia Sorento, was not in the driveway. So they had no reason to believe when they entered the home that Kay was even there. Uh, That's when they began searching the home, and it was not long before they came upon that horrific scene. So what is that? That's an SUV, correct? Correct. We also know that 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 SUV was found almost immediately after. So let's think this thing through. Dr. Daniel Bober, you're the forensic psychiatrist. Somebody breaks into this woman's home. There's no sex attack. There's no theft of any merit. The SUV was taken and then left immediately after. So what's the point, Dr. Daniel Bober? I actually agree with your previous guess, Nancy. I mean, if you're a contract killer, you kill someone with a rifle 100 yards away. This is the kind of attack that's up close and personal. So it sounds like the attacker had a personal gripe with the victim. To me, it it feels very personal. It feels very close. Take a listen to her daughters. We know that this is a community that takes care of their neighbors. And we're asking you now to help take care of one of us, one that mattered greatly to us. Oh, God. She would have done anything for anybody. And so please, if you know anything, come forward. Anything that you might know. You are hearing the daughter of Kay Thomason tearfully breaking down, begging for help to find the killer of her own mother. There is now a $100,000 reward. Repeat, $100,000 reward. Tip line 770-551-6937. This woman, a beautiful woman, a mother in her home, minding her own business. She lives alone. How many of us? I lived alone for years, well, ever since... 
my fiance was murdered till really the time I, I married. Had a couple of roommates, but essentially lived alone. This woman living alone, she in a home. Her children live away from her in different cities. Divorced husband is a lawyer and a, a very uh, well-known lawyer in another town. So how can you be, you're not safe in your own home, minding your own business. This is a very upscale area. Did she have a burglar alarm? I can't believe that she would go to bed without locking the doors and turning on her alarm. Plus, there's video of this guy. Take a listen to what cops say about the reward. Uh, $100,000 that's being put forth, I think, indicates to the public how serious we are about solving this case. Uh, we hope that someone will look at the uh, subject in that video, see how perhaps that person walks, see what that person was maybe wearing the night of the, uh, the homicide. I am looking at the video right now. It's clearly her surveillance video in her home. I'm guaranteeing you she had a burglar alarm. If she's got cameras, this guy comes out of nowhere. I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Alan Duke, yes. have you viewed this video? He, it, It's not like he's wandering down the street. Oh, no. He comes out, apparently, right at her home where it looks like he's been hiding behind trees and undergrowth. He just comes out right at the entrance to her home, it looks like, looks around it's not like, wow, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? He turns and heads straight to her door. I mean, Alan, this looks so planned to me. Well, he could have been watching this house for a while. He he looks kind of like a vagrant to me, uh, the kind of person we have a lot of in, in Los Angeles. But in the grainy photo at night, you can't really tell. He doesn't look like a vagrant to me. I don't know how he can even possibly say he looks like a vagrant. Well, Why does he vagrant? Well, are his pants torn? I don't see his pants torn. They look baggy. Okay, well, it's baggy. All right. A vagrant that knows how to beat an alarm system and get in, murder this woman, stabbing her, bludgeoning her, getting away in her SUV, stealing nothing else, not leaving fingerprints or anything behind. Wow, that's some vagrant. It doesn't fit the profile of a vagrant, as Alan Duke could have me believe, Francie Hakes. I agree with you, Nancy. This seems very personal and very personable. That is personal to the victim. It looks like he was stalking her. It looked like when he got into her house, he murdered her in a very personal, very violent way. Interesting. If this were a personal and violent attack, that there is no sex attack. What about it, Dr. Daniel Bober? How does that fit into this scenario? No credit cards have been used. No ATM has been used. It was almost as if the SUV theft was an afterthought. It was taken and dumped immediately. I agree with you, Nancy. Maybe the, uh, the motive was revenge. It just seems like pure rage the way she was murdered. Um, just feels very cold, very personal, and very calculated. We know that the vehicle was discarded, was abandoned in an apartment complex in Shambly. I would say that's about 10 miles from the murder scene. Kenya Johnson, what can you glean from the fact it was abandoned in an apartment complex? Well, usually people dump uh, items that they've stolen near their last location. So I would imagine that this is an area that the uh, the suspect frequented, he was familiar with, and not far away from where he ultimately ended up the night. And I agree that this crime doesn't seem like uh, from a vagrant, because those are more random crimes, crimes of opportunity. But they, uh, this particular suspect knew that the victim would be alone, knew that the victim was of means, and uh, and this sort of seems like a very calculated type of crime, uh, although vicious, but very calculated and not random at all. Well, another, but I say I would say, based on the location where the car was dropped, if you hang out in that area, I think uh, pretty soon he'll either show up again in that area or there's some connection to where he lives or frequent. Kenya Johnson, exactly. And I always use Scott Peterson as an example, but there's many, many, many examples. You know what? He's the big fisherman. 
What did he do? Kill Lacey and dump her body where he went fishing. <laughs> that does not call for a brainiac, okay? People go where they're comfortable, all right? Uh, a place you've been before. Your grandmother's property. Your, your, where you grew up as a kid. Look at taught mom Casey Anthony dumping little Kelly's body behind a school she used to attend to where she'd go out and sneak and smoke in the back of the school. That area. I mean, it's a place that you're familiar with. So that's where he goes to dump the SUV. Kay Thomason's black SUV. Now, is there surveillance video there? That's my next question. If so, where is it? Why haven't I seen it? If not, why haven't they gotten it? You know in an apartment complex there's going to be surveillance video. That's one thought. Next thought to Francie Hakes. If this woman has video cameras on her property, you know she had a burglar alarm. Second thought. Third thought, Francie. The vehicle was parked in the house. A burglar? They're going to rob? No, they're not going to go in when you see the person parked in the driveway for Pete's sake. Not only that, it was the early, early morning hours. This means between midnight and 6 a.m. Um, what does that mean? Why is he out and about at this time of night? Let's address those three things, Francie. Well, first, the time frame, Nancy. You're so right. Mm -hmm. o only bad things happen between midnight and 6 a.m. Tell it. There's no doubt about it. Also, I don't think I've seen anywhere her surveillance video picking him up leaving the house. Mm. Is he sophisticated enough to have disabled the cameras? That's what I would like to know. And you're right about the apartment complex and the area where he dumped her SUV. I, I doubt he lives there. He seems to me to be smarter than that. So did he do that in order to draw police's attention away from where he actually lives? That would be one of the questions I have. Well, and another thing, think about it. Think about it, John Limley. The route, and, and Alan Duke, you're familiar with the area that he would have likely taken to get from the home, the murder scene, to Shambly. I mean, if that uh, SUV has any type of tracking, navigational tracking in it, you can determine which route he took. And then you go along that route and you get surveillance video. Where's the surveillance video from the apartment? And then again, did this woman have a burglar alarm system? It seems fantastical to me that she would not if she has cameras. What about it, Alan? Well, there are several routes. You know, I used to be a traffic reporter in Atlanta many years ago, and I can tell you there are a lot of roads that he could have taken byways, but if he had taken the uh, free uh, the interstate, ultimately there would be no cameras there. But plenty of businesses have cameras around Shambly. You gotta get to the interstate, Alan. Right, but around Shambly there are tons of security cameras because it, it, the, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in Shambly and you would think that they would see maybe even at the apartment complex. So I would think he knows somebody there. He used to live there. He lives nearby or has worked there. Um, have, have you ever heard, Francie, of people dumping cars, say, in a mall parking lot way out at the end or the airport parking lot or some vast parking lot, some area where they think it will get lost in the sauce and nobody will notice it, like an apartment complex. Absolutely, Nancy. It's really, if you think about it, a forensic countermeasure. He's taken that vehicle and dumped it somewhere almost like to lead the police on a wild goose chase. This does not seem like a vagrant or a random crime at all to me. Another issue, she's stabbed in the neck. Man, that's cold, stabbing somebody in the neck. But what about the murder weapon? Did he leave it there? Are there prints? Was the murder weapon from the home, or did he bring the murder weapon in? Also, which would have shown some forethought, also bludgeoned. With what? I mean, I'm not, I'm not getting enough facts. John Limley, CrimeOnline.com, investigative reporter. What more do we know? Why are police playing it so close to the vest? And why are they searching her phone records? Did the perp call her? If so, how does he know her, her cell number? And, and why would he be calling her? That does make it personal. Let's start with the murder weapon, John Limley. As with so many murder cases, police are sort of keeping a lot of these facts to themselves because as the the interview uh, 
potential witnesses or suspects, they don't want to already have planted any information in these people's heads. So I want to analyze what we know, but let's listen right now to more of that 911 call. Do you think someone murdered her? Okay, what what makes you think that? There there is there's blood all over the place. There's like sharp things, there's a broken mirror, broken Okay. Teeth. Like someone broke into this house and Okay. And... Hold on one second, let me start the police. Her car is gone. Katie, her car is gone, right? Someone saw her car. Oh, my God. That is the 911 call in this case where the witness finds Kay Thomason's dead body, stabbed and bludgeoned in her home. Another issue we touched on before to Dr. Daniel Bober, I, I mentioned that her three children lived in different cities, not near her. Um, we also know that the husband, they've been divorced, and he is a lawyer in another city. She ran rental properties throughout the city of Atlanta, some in fancy areas, some in high-crime areas. Dr. Daniel Bober, what does that mean to you, if anything? It means that your suspect list is increased significantly because you have to think about any of these people that she may have come into contact with and may have had some gripe or some issue with her, and they are all potential suspects. As of this hour, a $100,000 reward, the highest reward ever in Sandy Springs history. Tip line 770-551-6937. Listen to her children as they beg for your help. She would have done anything for anybody. And so please, if you know anything, come forward. Anything that you might know. Thank you. There's a brand new website causing a lot of trouble for people with something to hide. Have you ever had a bad feeling about somebody? Maybe suspected your partner's cheating? Maybe worried about your online reputation? If you answer yes to any of those questions, you may need Truthfinder. Public records are only recently easily available online. Before websites like Truthfinder, you'd most likely have to visit a courthouse to get that information. Now, it's as simple as entering a name. Truthfinder sifts through millions of public records from all over the country, assembling them into one easy-to-read report. Search the names of somebody you know. You could find criminal and arrest records, bankruptcies, contact information, social, dating profiles, financial assets, and a lot more. Why fork out thousands to a private investigator when you can do the job yourself? Everybody you know has something to hide. Now you can root out the most dangerous people before you become the next victim. It's not just used to bust bad people. Truthfinder helps Americans reunite with friends, family, even people who served with them in the military. It's never been so easy to find the truth. Go to truthfinder.com slash Nancy and enter any name to get started. A gorgeous young woman goes missing. Uh, a landfill searched connected to the disappearance of Jolene Cummins. Uh, a gorgeous young mom who worked as a salon stylist. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. What do we know? Joining me right now, Ashley Wilcott, judge, lawyer, founder, childcrimewatch.com, New York psychologist Karen Stark, forensics expert, professor of forensics at Jacksonville State University, and author of Blood Beneath My Feet, Joseph Scott Morgan. But right now to CrimeOnline.com, investigative reporter Lee Egan. Before I go into how Jolene goes missing, to start with, what can you tell me about the search of a landfill? Well, they're searching the Cheshire Island landfill. That's in Folkston, Georgia. And right now they're saying they have several pieces of items of interest. 
They're not telling what it is, but they're saying it could possibly lead to more information that will lead to finding Jolene. Let's talk about how she goes missing. Start at the beginning, Lee Egan. She was working at a Tangles hair salon, San Fernandina Beach, Florida. They leave for the night and nobody hears from her since. Police searching the salon where the mother of three, just 34 years old, was last seen before she goes missing. Her family posting desperate and emotional messages on Facebook begging for her return. Well, we hear her family and we are trying our best to help solve the mystery of the disappearance of Jolene Cummings, a mother of three. As a matter of fact, take a listen to Jolene's mother. It motivates me that the community just loves my daughter and that they care about each other. We're a small-knit community, but it's impacted by everybody. I mean, from one parent to another, can you imagine the imaginable? No, just the smallest closure would be having her home and that's the hardest part just not having her home to joseph scott morgan death investigator professor of forensics and author they turned the salon upside down i'm looking at a picture of her right now she looks kind of like a cross of carrie underwood and ariana grande that's what she looks like to me this Beautiful young woman, Jolene Cummings, working at a Tangles hair salon to support her three children. Works that evening. It's a small area, Fernandina Beach near Jacksonville. Joe Scott, what can you tell me? Like she said, it's a close-knit community. And uh, I, I'm, I'm curious uh, to know uh, how many eyes were on this area? How many eyes were on this area watching what was going on in this particular area? And I'm not just talking about people but I'm talking uh, about things like CCTV footage here. Uh, and, and who would be motivated uh, to, to just kind of extricate this woman from this environment in which you, you stated she's trying to take care of her family uh, working in the salon. Her family desperately asking for help. And we know in the last hours, a search of a landfill has been going on to Lee Egan, investigative reporter with CrimeOnline.com about how far away is this landfill from where she went missing? Um, it's not that far away, Nancy. It's uh, close to the Georgia-Florida line. Yeah, this is this is just to the west of Brunswick, uh, Nancy, uh, Charton County. It's is. about an hour away from yeah, the, the last place she was seen. An hour away across the state line. Now, I understand from what you're saying, Lee Egan, that items of interest have been found in the Jolene Cummings disappearance. Do we have any idea what the items might be? Uh, The sheriff did say that they had found items such as envelopes, mail, and different things that that put them into an area because it's a huge landfill. So they had to kind of go piece by piece until they got to the area they needed to be in. And they did say they found some mail and envelopes around that area, but he wouldn't specify if that was what they were looking for in regards to this case. Something led them there, and the search of a landfill is a very, very difficult thing to do. You have to grid the landfill off. Um, I wonder what led them an hour away to this remote landfill. To Joseph Scott Morgan, I'm going to get back to the grid search, but I want you to take a listen to what the sheriff had to say. Can you say if they're more consistent with maybe a murder weapon or something that would be Kessler's prints or any suspect's prints, or are they more consistent with remains? Uh, I'm not going to get into what we found. Uh, They have to be tested at the lab first. Uh, We'll continue to follow any leads, credible leads that that we receive. Uh, We have not received any credible uh, in a while. So uh, we'll continue with our criminal case, criminal uh, investigation there to uh, put a rock-solid case together uh, to make sure that uh, this will never happen again. After battling horrific temperatures, a solid week in search for evidence in the disappearance of Jolene Cummins, investigators announce 
at this landfill, they have found evidence of interest. They sifted through 3,300 tons of trash. And we hear this from Nassau County Sheriff Bill Leeper. Now, what does that mean? Joe Scott Morgan, how did they come out of over 3,000 tons of trash? How do you come up with envelopes connected to Jolene? It is a tedious process, Nancy. I've been involved in several of these landfill searches uh, you know, over the course of my career. And just l- let me set the scene for you very carefully, let you know what these guys are going through and gals are going through out there. They're wearing Tyvek suits, which are those white crime scene suits you see us wearing uh, with the, the hoods on and all that sort of thing. We're talking about South Georgia, immediately adjacent to Northern Florida. It is blistering hot. Uh, your face is covered. Uh, you've got gloves on your hands. Uh, it's easy to be distracted. And if you can imagine the world's largest jigsaw puzzle, that is the most foulest, uh, foulest environment that you can be in. It's just randomly thrown on the ground. You're having to look for, for just clues in this environment. That's what these people are having to contend with. The fact that they were able to find anything. I am absolutely amazed. You've got this big equipment that's rolling over everything, that's pressing this stuff down. It's a horrible, horrible environment to, to, uh, to, have, to uh, have to deal with. Oh, and did I mention the rats? They're everywhere. Now, 200 members of the FBI and the sheriff's office rotated through this massive dump, a landfill, and that's from Jacksonville FBI Special Agent in Charge Charles Spencer. They're wearing those protective suits that Joe Scott Morgan's telling you about, temperatures that reached up to a heat index of 116 degrees. That's 6.5 million pounds. Uh, my math whiz here, Jackie Howard, figured that out. 3,300 tons, 6.5 million pounds of trash to find evidence connecting back to the missing hair salon artist Jolene Cummins, the mother of three. Now we have the issue of surveillance video. To Ashley Wilcott, lawyer, judge, founder of ChildCrimeWatch.com. Weigh in, Ashley. Well, let me just tell you, I'm so wicked impressed by law enforcement, FBI, because of the search of the dump, because that is such a monumental effort. Here's what they're doing. They are trying to find anything that might relate to the victim and figure, or the victim herself, but also to figure out um, who was involved or might have been involved in this um, this killing, this murder. And one of the things I want to point out that I really love is the items of interest that they found. They made a statement to say, "Listen, they may not be significant." They may be significant, but we are going to take those and we are going to have the lab analysis done and we are going to determine how helpful or not it is. So it's a a really a monumental effort. And someone knows what happened. Well, think about it, Ashley Wilcott. Think about it. Trash from Florida sent to a Georgia landfill. Okay. Now, think about what someone, even if it's just a bill from the victim's pocketbook that was in her car, okay, because her car was found, had been moved. Think about someone, even if the bill is of no importance, maybe it's a cable bill, I don't know. But what I'm saying is the significance to me of that bill may be that whoever did away with Jolene went to that effort to hide it. Then you can find out what else was there, who else had been in that area, who was familiar with that area. Why would, you know, because criminals always go back to something familiar, like Scott Peterson was a fisherman, so he dumps Lacey and Connor in the San Francisco Bay. Get it, Ashley? I mean, it could reveal a lot, even if the bill means nothing. Right, and there could be DNA on it. Who handled it? They So they've sent it to the lab for all that analysis, and I'm going to say what I say in every single case. Somebody knows what happened. Maybe more than one person knows what happened, and so I believe that they're going to get to the bottom of it. Jolene Cummins reported missing two days after she was last seen leaving her job at a Tangles hair salon, Fernandina Beach. What do we know about the last person to see her alive? Kimberly Kessler, 
aka Jennifer Seibert. That's what the people at Tangles knew her as because she was using an alias. She's had 18 different identities over the past since 1994. Now, wait a minute. Clear something up for me, Lee. When you say Kimberly Kessler has had all these various identities, you're Kimberly Kessler, now that's her co-worker who also works at the salon, right? That's correct. And police say that Kessler has also had numerous different job titles over the years. She was a truck driver at one time, worked in restaurants, um, different hairstylists at different salons. The thing is, when she had these different jobs, she would change her name each and every time. She never kept the same name. And that's the red flag that the police picked up on. She is said to be the last person to see Jolene alive, the last person in her car. Well, how do you know that, Lee, that, that the co-worker, Kimberly Lee Kessler, was the last person in her car, in the victim's car? Okay, the last time they saw Jolene's car, it was parked in a parking, a Home Depot parking lot. Police pulled their surveillance camera. They see Kimberly, uh, Kimberly Kessler getting out of the driver's seat of the car. No one else was in the car with her. She parks the car, gets out, shuts the door, walks to a nearby gas station, and takes a, a taxi cab away. Okay, Karen Stark. <laughs> that doesn't look good. It doesn't look good, and it's it's clear sign that it's intentional, that she understands what she's doing. And that something is amiss in this situation, Nancy. What is she doing there? What is she doing with her car? When was the last time she was seen? She was last seen on May 13th. She was supposed to pick up her children and she did not show up. Obviously raised a red flag with all of her family because she is very much a hands-on mother and she spends a lot of time with them. She separated from the the children's father and she was supposed to meet him at a parking lot to pick them up and she did not show up these two women were they on a friendly basis what do we know about them were they working the same shift at when she goes missing was there animosity did they have an argument that day and if so over what what do we know lee they were not on a friendly basis they were very, very, a lot of animosity between them. For some reason, from what her co-worker said is Kessler had a problem with Jolene, but they did not know why. She just refused to help her. She just snubbed her at every chance she got. And it was to the point where it was uncomfortable inside the salon. It, it made things very tense. But I mean, it's tense enough to commit a murder. Karen Stark, when you work with somebody day in and day out, what type of animosities can grow, can build? Well, it's it's one of those things where you can build up a resentment against the person and they might never know it, but there's a lot of tension that can happen in a situation like that because you you become so intimate. You know each other backwards and forwards. There's a constant getting together. So the more that you dislike that person, you're still forced to continue to interact with them. Well, Lee Egan, CrimeOnline.com, the surveillance video of the co-worker getting out of the victim's car is not the only video, is it? It is not. They also have a video of her, her dumping trash into a dumpster, which is what led uh, the police to the Georgia landfill to begin with, because the dumpster that she used, they take that trash to that landfill in Georgia. Aha, uh -huh. so there's the answer to my mystery. My mystery was, did someone drive all the way to this landfill? But you just answered it for me. That took some good detective work from police, Lee Egan, to know to go to that dumpster. Do we know where the dumpster was located? It was in a, a commercial area in Jacksonville. Aha, so that clears up a lot. They had to use a lot of powers of deduction and use their gray cells to figure this one out by combing surveillance video at dumpsters throughout the area to catch the co-worker throwing away trash. They didn't know what was in that trash, but maybe it was an odd time of day or night, like 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. She's throwing out the trash at a dumpster. Why not just put it in your kitchen trash and put it out by the street? But still, we don't know where is Jolene. 
but we fear the worst. Listen. I want answers more than anybody else wants answers. And I feel confident that we'll have those answers soon enough. We will continue. We will not cease praying. My daughter will be found and there will be more evidence. I want justice. Nancy Grace, Crime Stories, signing off. Goodbye, friend. There's a brand new website causing a lot of trouble for people with something to hide. Have you ever had a bad feeling about somebody? Maybe suspected your partner's cheating? Maybe worried about your online reputation? If you answer yes to any of those questions, you may need Truthfinder. Public records are only recently easily available online. Before websites like Truthfinder, you'd most likely have to visit a courthouse to get that information. Now, it's as simple as entering a name. Truthfinder sifts through millions of public records from all over the country, assembling them into one easy-to-read report. Search the names of somebody you know. You could find criminal and arrest records, bankruptcies, contact information, social, dating profiles, financial assets, and a lot more. Why fork out thousands to a private investigator when you can do the job yourself? Everybody you know has something to hide. Now you can root out the most dangerous people before you become the next victim. It's not just used to bust bad people. Truthfinder helps Americans reunite with friends, family, even people who served with them in the military. It's never been so easy to find the truth. Go to truthfinder.com slash Nancy and enter any name to get started. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learned something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast.